All right, welcome to another Breakthrough Marketing Secrets episode. On the line, I have Fred Joyle, the author of the new book, Super Bold. And Fred, I'm just going to start with a question. What is the single most important thing that you believe everyone should know about boldness, about being bold, about showing up in your life in a bold way? The single most important thing that bold people know is 99% of the time, nothing bad happens unless you label it that way. So what happens is we become the person who stops us and bold people never stop themselves. And when you understand that, you start experimenting, you start taking chances and realizing, wow, nobody stopped me. I can try that. I can do this. It didn't actually go the way I thought, but it's not bad. It's just different. It's something to learn from. These are the proven direct response, marketing, copywriting, and entrepreneurship success strategies you can use today to write your own ticket and create the life you want. I am Roy Furr, and this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Now, here's today's breakthrough. Awesome. I can't wait to dive in further into this. And that's specifically one of my notes out of the book. Now, for the formal introduction, Fred Joyle is an entrepreneur, speaker, business advisor, and number one Amazon bestselling author. Uh, he co-founded the most successful dental referral service in the country, 1-800-DENTIST, which in his 30 years as CEO generated over $1 billion in revenue. Along with that achievement, he's also been awarded the Conrad Hilton Distinguished Entrepreneur Award from Loyola Marymount University, and he's written two best-selling books for his industry and also written and appeared in over 200 television and radio commercials. And uh, you're not going to believe it from just listening to him, so you'll have to trust us that Fred started as an extremely shy person, too timid even to make a phone call and transformed himself into someone who's done stand-up and improv comedy, spoken to audiences of 5,000 and more, met dozens of celebrities, and just by being bold, found love, joy, passion, and success. Fred, I can't wait to dive in. So first off, before I start asking all my questions, thanks for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Roy. It's really going to be fun. Yes, absolutely. With the improv background, which I also have, I'll save that a little bit, but uh, I, I'm excited about that. Um, and the red hair. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, devil's advocate question. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start here. Uh, isn't, isn't boldness and extroversion and confidence just something like some people have it, some people don't, you're born with it. Like we, we have like a boldness genetics and it's just turned on at birth or it's not like, uh, for me, I didn't feel like it was. Is it? That's, that's the general belief. And it's a myth. Uh, it's, and sometimes it's an excuse. Uh, but I, I'll go scenario by scenario or experience by experience with somebody who thinks they're really too shy and could never become bold because I was really a closet case. I was in bad shape. I couldn't ask a girl out to dance uh, to, 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 on a date, ask them to dance. I, I, I missed so many opportunities that it just eventually became frustrating. And I thought the same thing. I would see bold people and I'd say, why are they like this? Why don't they process rejection the way I do? They, nothing seems to, everything bounces off them. Nothing bothers them. And, and I just started to emulate them and just say, look, I, I can't miss any more opportunities. I've, I'm, not, I'm tired of stacking up the regrets here. And I just started pushing myself into my discomfort zone 
and little by little, I, I started to have these little victories. And then I, and I also looked back in my life and said, geez, the one or two times I was bold, amazing things flowed from it versus me kicking myself over the missed opportunities. So I just over decades really developed it. And, and what I did with my book is, is compress the learning that I did into something that you can really accelerate yourself and in 90 days really transform yourself and create a lifelong process of getting bolder and bolder and bolder till you're super bold, which is you're bold in every situation you want to be. You never miss opportunities, whatever it is. You speak up, you step, you step up, you stand up to somebody, you try stuff. You don't miss out on fun and adventure and opportunities. That's, that's the goal. And anybody can learn it. So I want to get into that action plan in a little bit here, but I, in like, in what you were saying, I heard a darkest hour story. Like you, there was a point where you, you, you hit that moment where, where, where you were just fed up with being too timid with the missed opportunities, with the negatives, with, with, um, with all the results of not being bold. And I would be curious if you would be willing to uh, share the share I, whatever embarrassing story in detail might might give us a sense of of what made you say you know something's got to change it has to be me and it has to be now. Yeah, and so it, it was really it, it was always the aggregation of a bunch of these things, but the 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 one that always sticks out to me is I, I did a lot of jobs between the, the two two-year sessions I did, took to finish college. I took about four years off and I did I laid carpet. I, I worked in machine shop. I painted houses. I sold frozen meat door to door. I did all sorts of, I, did, I had a mail route during the summer. Uh, and in the machine shop, I was working in the machine shop, just working the floor. I had one of the lowliest positions. Because I just wanted some money and and just to, to, to go take time off and bum around again. And yeah. the owner took a liking to me and, and they, you know, they saw a spark of intelligence in me or whatever. And 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 so he said, I think you could sell for us. He says, I think you could do really well. Brings me upstairs to the office, says, here, I'm going to give you a desk. I'm going to give you a phone. Here's a list of all the businesses in Rhode Island, which is where I was from, start calling them and see if anybody wants to do business with us. I couldn't dial the phone one time. I couldn't make a single phone call. And so it was like back to the machine shop floor for me. And, and I just went, what, what is my problem? Like, how, how could it be this hard? And how are other people doing it? And it, and it took me a while because I was still trapped in it. I didn't know my way out, but I knew I had to find a way out. And then, of course, couple that with missing a really good opportunity with a really great woman that, because I didn't speak up. Then I thought, wow, she would be, I know her really well. She would be a great mate, but I don't want to blow the friendship by speaking up because she may just go, oh, I, I just see you as a friend. And then I'm, you know, crushed and humiliated and uh, crawl back into my shell. So don't take the risk. And uh, years later, I find out, she said, you know, I was really interested in Fred, but you know, he never spoke up. Uh, 
And, and then you, you want to slit your wrist when you hear that. It's like, what? What is he yeah. saying? Why did, I, why, why did I have to find that out? But I had to find it out so I knew what I missed. And, and, and that, those things, like, they were like crushing me. And I finally said, I, I got to break out of this. I, gotta, I just got to take the pain and, and push myself out. And then I started to do it. And good things started to happen. I, I, and I was like, wow, my whole process of things going wrong or badly, I'm not good at calculating the odds. I'm miscalculating terribly how often this is really going to go badly. It's going to go right most of the time. And then I figured out you can always make it go right in some way. Uh, but, but here's the other thing. I learned that trying and failing was still really satisfying. Not trying would tear me up. But if I tried, walked up to, let's say I walked up to a girl, introduced myself, you know, within three minutes, she mentions her fiance. I was like, okay, great. But I walked up to her. I didn't stand across the room and tell me 20, myself 20 reasons why she wouldn't be interested in me. Yeah. And you so can, that you can, trying you can live a life of, yeah. of regrets because you didn't try. And those regrets, it, it really sounds like, I, I don't know, like the, 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 basic uh metaphor of tipping point right that yep. that it's just like one regret after another regret after another regret after another regret and and honestly like from my from my background growing up i was very much the person who was who was timid who was unable i i mean make the first advertisement that i ever ran and this is this is kind of silly the first advertisement i ever ran was an ad in our school newspaper that my friend managed to get for us for get for me for free, actually um, taking taking applications to be my prom date by dropping a piece of paper in a locker because I was too timid to actually ask anyone to prom, <laughs> and um, you know that ad didn't go very well. <laughs> no. But 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 I know the I know the pain of missed opportunities because at the same time, like I had that same thing. There were people who would have been happy to go with me to prom, people that I would have loved to go to prom with. But it, you know, but but it wasn't it, it, it didn't happen because I wasn't bold enough to just ask. And, um, you know, I can I have my whole list. I have my list. <laughs> So let's flip to the other side of that. We have we have our list of regrets, all the things that lead us to not be super bold. Do you have any recent examples from your life that uh, might be unexpected benefits of becoming super bold or opportunities that you may have never expected to open up to you because you just had a moment of, of, of boldness? Uh, yeah, there's there's all sorts of interesting opportunities. Sometimes it's just, you get to meet somebody and, and talk to them and, and just have this, this great exchange. And it's, it's, let's say it's somebody you really admire. Uh, you know, I, I ran into Tom Hanks a few years ago and he was just sitting there with Rita, his wife, waiting to pick up some food at a takeout place in Santa Monica. And I thought, I'm gonna go over and just tell him how much I appreciated the thing that he was working on at the time and it was, or that he had worked on, which is From the Earth to the Moon, that HBO series. And okay. I just wanted to say, you know, excuse, I, so I just said, excuse me, Mr. Hanks, I just wanted to say how much I'm really enjoying the series. It's just fantastic. Uh, and he was so appreciative because I wasn't weird. I wasn't like, can I take a selfie <laughs> with you and all that stuff? I was just telling him 
you know, some, and he said, thank you so much. It's such a labor of love. He says, we're, we're really happy with how it came out. And I, I really appreciate you telling me about it. We end up talking about two or three things. And, and then I walk away. I leave him alone. I don't ask for anything because I actually got what I wanted, which was a real conversation. And I got to tell him, somebody I admired greatly as a person, as well as an actor, how much I appreciated what he did. And th that feeling of like, like, I don't need the selfie. I don't need the, 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 you know, the Facebook post to brag about it. I get the actual encounter and, yeah. you know, and those things, you know, ran into Tim Ferriss at, at another thing. And we just got into this funny, it was at a salon event where he was one of the guests and we got talking after. And he said, was that host really as drunk as I thought? And I went, oh yeah, she could barely follow what you were saying, right? I said, it was really <laughs> rather remarkable. And we just, so we had this very conspiratorial little exchange yeah. just because I know how to act like a normal person, regardless of who somebody is. That in my mind, I have told myself, I belong everywhere. And that's a really powerful message to tell yourself because most of the time we got an unworthiness message that we're telling ourselves, or we don't belong here, that this we're not deserving of this. And we stop ourselves. And I yeah. saw enough people not stop themselves to say, I'm never going to be the one that stops me. And, uh, by the way, that was one of the first notes that I, that I took straight out of Super Bold was never be the one stopping yourself. Um, like I, I have it in my notes here for, for, uh, just, just, I can, I can't count the number of times that I've been the one stopping <laughs> myself, right? Because it's happened so often. Um, and, and I agree like that. I, I love when I hear your stories of celebrity, you are the thing that's unique. And I think that this translates to my, translates to my audience, like people, we, we get this idea of, oh, we want this particular client because this client has this reputation in our industry. And so we want to go out and we want to approach this client. But when I, when I'm at a networking event and I see, see these interactions, there is, it's, it is the celebrity effect of these people come up to these clients and they're like stammering and they're trying to, they're treating them like they have them up on a pedestal versus your Tom Hanks story, which is just like, hey, I really appreciate the work that you're doing right now. And I love the specificity of that. When you tell other celebrity stories in the book, it's the exact same thing. You only talk to them if you have a compliment about recent work. Like it's a, it's, it's a positive thing. And then you just treat them like a human. You have a short human conversation and you recognize that they probably want to move on with their day too. And, and it, it, um, and so you move on and you bow out graciously, like, Hey, you know, it was great to meet you. Um, you know, best, be best wishes for the rest of the series or whatever. And, yeah. um, I, I want to dive into this, the concept that you have in the book of being the voice of uplift of, I can't even say the word being the voice of upliftment, um, and how, well, so can you, can you speak to that? Let me describe that, that can help me. It, what does that mean? It yes. means you are deliberately striving to make everybody you encounter feel better about themselves in that encounter with you, in whatever exchange that is. It could be just the, what I call the, the, the drive-by compliment. 
where you're just you're just saying something and moving on. I just did it today. I'm at I'm at this event and the others. There was a, a guy who was not a professional speaker, but he was up presenting for his company. He was doing 20 minutes. And I deliberately sought him out after and I said, I really enjoy your your stage presence. You're so comfortable and appealing up there. And he, he just said, oh, thank you so much. He says, you know, he says, I just try to, you know, like be friendly. And, and, it, and it's nice to hear that I'm actually doing that. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and so just do that wherever you go. And it's a gift you end up giving yourself because you see the impact it has on people. It moves them. Uh, you know, I always use the example of like when I get uh, a, a Starbucks, I'll go about, take a sip of it, and then I'll go back to the barista and I'll say, excuse me. And they're, they're <laughs> dreading it, right? Because whoever who comes guard. back, the person yeah. who's got a complaint, and I just hold up the cup and I go, this is absolutely perfect. <laughs> and you see the relief and then the big smile on their face. And they say, oh, thank you so much. Because how many drinks are they making? 300 that day, 400, who the heck knows? And nobody comes back and says, this was great. Yeah, uh, they come back and say it's too cold. It's too hot. It's you're supposed to have whipped cream. You know, uh, that's what they get. So why not be that person that that makes people feel better about themselves whenever you can in any situation, even if, hey, even if you're giving them difficult feedback, it's an act of kindness to give somebody valuable, useful feedback. I could have said to that guy, your stage presence is awesome. You're really friendly. What you need to do is maybe talk a little bit slower. And yet what happens then? He says, wow, that was really useful. Yes. Instead of like, why is he, you know, <laughs> instead of just, hey, buddy, slow down. You know, you're upstairs. Yes. You're, you're making everybody nervous. You're talking so fast. Right. That doesn't work. All right. Instead, I made him feel good about himself. And, and I, if I needed to, I just I didn't have anything to offer, but I could have easily offered valuable critique with with no ulterior motive i don't need to make him feel smaller than me or or bad about himself or anything like that or or inadequate i i, I would have done it to say I, you're good and here's a way to get a tiny bit better and i did that with somebody too i said you need you're a great speaker but you're you speak at one volume you do everything else really well and she says i hear that all the time she says, I, I get through my enthusiastic loud level and I stay there. And she says, I'm trying, to, I'm learning how to modulate it, but we can have that. And that's, that's an act of kindness. That's, that's not one upsmanship or anything like that. That's, that's being generous by make helping her become better, not just feel better. And I love how it's, I love how it is. So uh, like it, it doesn't matter who it is. Everybody from Tom Hanks to the barista at Starbucks, it's you are you are just finding a way to make that person feel better. It also takes that that uh, I feel like that your entire approach takes the ego out of it. Um, like if if I'm just trying to get acceptance from my interactions with these people being bold, then it's it there's there's so much emotional weight on failure versus if my goal is to just make this person feel better and maybe something will come of the inter interaction then it just becomes uh it, it's it's reinforcing because everybody wants to feel better and if you 
practice making people feel better. They're going to feel better. You're going to feel better. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you you teach, like, I want to give a little bit of an overview into the, into the concepts in the book. Of course, there's nothing we could do in this interview that's going to actually replace the book. And I highly recommend people get it. Uh, but you teach the pride method, uh, which is, which is the, the, the five, um, five key aspects of, um, of becoming super bold. So preparation, relaxation, insight, dosage, and everyday action. Can we speak to that a little bit and how it has, how, how each element is important in becoming super bold? Yes, because what I, I wanted to do is make it so you had these five steps that you could turn to in any situation where you felt, wow, I'm not as, I'm not as confident as I want to be. I'm, I'm hesitating. What do I need to do? And of course, the book is full of exercises that start at a very simple, even nonverbal level. And you're applying these, the, the pride method to those exercises and then working your way up to more and more challenging and crazier exercises. <laughs> but, but let's start with the, the P in, in the pride method is preparation. Yes. If you're, if you're going to walk up to somebody and say something, know what you're going to say. Like I knew what I was going to say to Tom Hanks. I knew what I was going to say to the barista. I, I, I'll do these things. Like when I see somebody, I, they, I actually played this game with myself and it's, in, I mentioned it in the book as well. It is, we all have judgments about people and we're wrong. Like 90% of the time because we're judging them by their hair or their height or, or what they're wearing or any, their posture. We got, we got a million reasons why we have a decision about them and how they're weird and we're not basically. Um, and so I'll actually take the thing that I have a judgment about, like the, this woman has purple hair. It looks ridiculous on her. That's my first thought. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go up and say, that hair really works on you. It looks really great. And you know what happens? She loves it. And I feel different about her. One, because she's got a big smile on her face because she's obviously dyed her hair purple for a reason. She thought it yeah. might look good. And <laughs> And I don't get to hang on to my erroneous judgment anymore. But I've prepared myself by saying, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I know what I'm going to say. And there's the, and it, and this comes with preparing a speech that you're going to do, any, you know, a, a phone call, a cold call, any of these things that you're going to do, a presentation of your creative material. You know, if you're working in the ad business, you're going to sell your, your creative. And and so you gotta you gotta sell it with confidence. I've sold more ads because I sold them so confidently. You know, I acted out the whole commercial of what the spokesman was gonna do, and and they just sat back and went, "Let's do that." You know, the client just yes. says, "Yeah, let's let's." That sounds great. Um, but it's the it's preparation has two functions. It relaxes you, and you know, so that you know what you're gonna say. But it becomes the foundation for spontaneity, which is the real prize, is now you know what you could say, and in the moment you could discover something better. You could, you know, that girl with the purple hair, when you get up to her, you could, she could have like a diamond on one of her teeth. And you say, wow, that, that diamond on your grill looks amazing. And because you already know what you're going to say, now you, now you can say something else and be comfortable with it because you get your fallback. And, and this, this becomes a way you can move through the world and, and discover something new in the interaction. Relaxing is key 
And, and people always tell you, this is the R in the pride method. People, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, just relax. Why don't you just yes. relax? And it's, two things happen. One is like, how would I exactly do that is the first thought comes in my head. And it's like, oh, no, you can tell I'm nervous. That makes me twice yeah. as nervous. Now I know Instead, I'm failing at relaxing. So that's another thing. to. to I can't even look yeah. relaxed, even though I'm feeling <laughs> terribly anxious inside. Um, so there's two basic things you can do. One, the, three, really, because the preparation is that first step being prepared relaxes you. But then also check your physiology because we have this when we tense up because we're anxious, that becomes visible, but it exacerbates the situation. Your shoulders are high, your maybe your arms are tight, your neck stiff, you're frowning, you're doing your like your legs crossed, whatever it is, you've tensed up all over. Just shake it off, like shake it all out, twist it out, release it. And your body will start to throw it off because your body's not interested in being tense. It just thinks it's in danger, right? Something's going to hit us. We have the same reaction to psychological danger as we do to physical danger. We're really in physical danger. We're in our minds. We're constantly in physical, uh, psychological danger. So we have this autonomic reaction. The other thing we do is we breathe less or stop breathing altogether. Breathe. Take three deep breaths. Before I go on stage at any time, if I'm feeling like it's a big crowd and they've messed up all my tech before I get on, it's like I don't have like what this the, the, the mic's not hot and the, and the projector just came on two seconds ago. What's going on? And, and I say, I got to chill. I'm going on stage and I'll take three deep breaths. And all and then I, now I'm just pulling energy out. Now all that nervousness is now my power, my energy that, that I can bring to the stage. Uh, and that's a transformation that you will make over time is all your nervousness just becomes positive energy. So you so that you are, you're almost an amplified version of yourself rather than an anxious version of yourself. That's relaxation. And it's really, and most people don't know how to do it. Nobody teaches you this stuff in high school or college or business school. Yeah, I find I find that uh, for me that relaxation is so, like it, even just that choice to consciously breathe is has become such a constant companion in my in my daily life that I I have learned to pay attention that when I'm anxious, when I'm when I'm worried about something, when I'm nervous about something, that most often the quickest way for me to reset that is to just take a deep breath, and it's like. It's like uh, a balloon is expanding as I'm taking that deep breath and I can feel the tension of the skin of the balloon expanding and being tense and tense and tense. And then I breathe out and it all just relaxes. And, and even in moments where I want to be bold, like that's, it's such a great way to reset in that moment right before I'm going to be bold. So, um, so insight is next. And you went into a lot of insights in the book, and I don't necessarily think we need to repeat them there. I'd like to move forward towards the, the dosage, having the right dosage of boldness and how that ties into everyday action. All right, well, let's go back to one insight because we talked about a couple, okay. which is nothing bad happens unless you label it that way. But the other big insight is that bold people know is that nobody is thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're thinking so about true. themselves. So true. We, we think they're, oh, oh, they're going to, oh, everybody's going to laugh at me. And I always say, everybody? And do you know them? Why do you care? But we do, right? 
releasing that, understanding that, that, you know, bold people, they have a small group of people whose opinions really matter. And the rest of the people, they don't worry about. They go, that their opinion of me is none of my business. I don't worry about it. So key insight there. But, but the dosage is really important when you're trying to build your confidence. Because the, the subtitle of the book is From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. So you have to control the intensity of the experience as you become more and more confident. You don't want to make it so intense that you retreat back into your shell. You, you want to you step into your comfort zone, your discomfort zone, and, and move out there. And then you can retreat back but, and, and, and then start to create the, the reward feedback loop because you went, ah, this, nothing bad happened. I thought something bad was going to happen and actually something pretty good happened. So, so day one of this boldness plan is like getting a megaphone and going in Times Square in New York and singing Broadway tunes, right? In a diaper idea. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Perfect. No. <laughs> so, so I, I, I mean, an example, and I, I'm not giving away too much here, um, is exercise one, if I'm remembering right, is just intentionally smiling at strangers. Yeah. Smiling at strangers. How, it's not hard. And, and, you know, you're walking through, through, through the day, you're, you're out and about smiling at a stranger. It's something, it's so easy to like, you know, remain caught up in our, in our smartphone world, staring <laughs> down at our smartphone, or just having that, that natural reaction that as soon as we make eye contact, we look away. But uh, even just that act, it can be reinforcing. Um, yeah. yeah, because you, you, you realize that nine out of 10 people are going to smile back. And also part of the exercise is when somebody doesn't smile back, you don't take it personally. This could be the worst day of their life or they could have bad teeth or whatever. You realize one, way more people smile back. You brighten their day. You feel pretty good about yourself. And that, that person, that was their thing that they didn't smile back. And everybody doesn't have to love you. By the way, that's another insight. Do you really need everyone to love you? That's, 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 pretty big order in life. Um, so controlling that dosage and working your way up to these experiences, like an, an, another exercise, one of my favorite exercises that I tell people, I say, look, if you're, if you want to start with just smiling at people, uh, but if you want to challenge yourself and realize you have all these weird inhibitors, when you see a sign that says employees only go in, go in that door, nothing bad will happen. No one will beat you to death when you go through the door. But we yeah. stop ourselves. Oh, I can't go in there. It says a sign that says employees only. I can't go in there. I go in. When I do it, I go in. If Most of the time, nobody says anything. But if they do, they'll say, one, can I help you? Most likely. Uh, yeah. Rarely, they'll say, uh, excuse me, this is for employees only. And I'll say, oh, I, I'm an employee, just not here. And they'll <laughs> look at me like I'm insane. And I'll leave. You know why? Nothing bad happened. It's all about figuring out that all these inhibitors are telling you, I can't walk this through this door. There's a sign. Nothing bad's going to happen. You're just going to yeah. leave. And, and so you start to translate it into situations where it is more important. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk up and introduce myself to that person. I'm going to say, I, 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 I'm, I'm Roy, I'm, I'm dying to meet you. Uh, you know, you seem really interesting. Uh, Really? I seem interesting? It, it, like, they're excited about how they seem interesting from a distance. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and away you go. 
uh, because, but, but that's all you did. And, and if they say, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I really wanted to talk to that person over there and you say, great, go, go ahead. Just, just wanted to say, hi, yeah. don't take it on. You didn't yeah. die. The, the number of times you realize you didn't die. Cause there's no such thing as dying of embarrassment, right? It's not a medical condition. It's yeah. a, it's a mental condition. It's a mental, it's a choice to feel embarrassed when you it's realize that. that it's huge. It's that activation of our nervous system where, you know, our nervous system learned how to respond to lions chasing us on the savanna in Africa. And it's reacting the same way when we imagine walking, walking through a door that says employees only, right? Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, so many times throughout this discussion, uh, I keep I keep thinking of that of that quote, never be the one stopping you when someone else stops you. It's a good thing because it means you found the true boundary. Yep. You found the true boundary. Uh, so and it's so, much, much farther than you think and much less often than you think. Yeah. So the the, the entire so the 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 the. I love how the book is broken out into here's the thinking behind it. Here's the principles behind it, the strategy behind it. And then here are the techniques and tactics to apply the, the, the exercises to go out and do it. And it, it really is a book that's designed for you to take action as the reader. Like you want to become super bold. It, it comes with taking action, right? You have to do it. And so many of us are held back from so many things that we want in life because we're not taking action. Um, I, I certainly have some more questions, but is there, is, is there anything else worth noting about the, the exercises and specifically how taking everyday action, um, is important to becoming super bold? Yeah. And everyday action is actually this remarkably powerful life skill for anything you want to achieve or change about yourself. If you decide, if you make a commitment to do something every day towards it, you're going to do a boldness exercise every day. Doesn't And ideally start early, so maybe you do three, four, or five, but you're going to do one every day. And sometimes, uh, you know, if it gets to be 10 o'clock at night, you go, oh my gosh, I haven't done a boldness exercise. I, I got to head out and I got to go start, I got to chat up somebody in the, in the 7-Eleven. Uh, and, and, and you, and you do it and it takes five minutes to do, but the thing about doing something every day, two really powerful things happen. One, you start to tell your brain, this is who I am. Not yes. just something I do occasionally. I am a bold person. I speak up. I speak out. I talk to strangers. I am this outgoing person. I can call on my confidence and boldness whenever I need it. And it takes every day to do it because the brain says, okay, th this is, we're going to do this. You don't have to decide whether to do it or not. You're going to do it. And if you don't, if you're a dabbler or you know a dilettante that gets to it every weekend or every other weekend or worse, when you feel like it, I always tell people, how often would you work out if you only worked out when you felt like it <laughs> once a year, yeah. <laughs> you know, once a month, it sure wouldn't be three times a week. Like you probably should be doing, but you should move every day. You should say, I got to do something to get my heart racing every day. And then your body says, Oh, we're your, your body and your brain said, we're somebody who 
trying to stay in shape. And then and it works. Yeah, you have that identity shift, whether it's everyday action towards a goal through, you know, a, getting a project done at work or everyday action, doing the boldness exercises, everyday action, moving your body. Then that question of I only work out when I feel like it. If, if it's something you do every day and there's been that identity shift to this is the type of person that I am, then suddenly you're you're saying I do feel like it, right? Like I feel like being bold and walking across the room and talking to that person who was interested. Oh, there's Tom Hanks. I feel like walking over and saying something nice to him about a project that I'm really enjoying from him right now, right? And then then you have those experiences. And that's and that's part of why I'm I'm talking about it in 90 days because they've estimated it takes between 65 and 90 days to develop a new habit if you work at it on a regular on a daily basis you shouldn't have to decide to brush your teeth every day hopefully you're doing that when you wake up and when you go to bed maybe after lunch but you shouldn't it shouldn't be like geez i wonder if i should brush my teeth today or not or geez i'm gonna brush my teeth when i when it's convenient for me uh and here's here's the thing what you do every day aggregates however little you do it it aggregates to something by the end of a year what you if you, what you don't do every day deteriorates and a week goes by and a month goes by and a year goes by and a decade goes by and you think oh i'm going to get to it i'll i want to learn spanish i want to learn guitar i want whatever it is you have all these things that you're going to get to instead of just saying i'm going to learn five words of spanish every day I'm going to pick up the guitar every day, even if it's for five or 10 minutes. And all of a sudden your brain goes, well, all right. And this the other thing is starting, whether it's a workout or anything, is the hardest part for all of us. Yes. But if you just start, if you just say, well, I, I got to do it. It's it's a day. I am and I do it in every day. I got to do it. So you just you do it and and you, you'll do a boldness exercise and you say, well, that was pretty darn easy. Maybe I'm going to. I'm gonna I'm gonna go walk around find myself an employees only door, uh, you know, until I find one and go in. Um, and so th- that's the amazing thing about th- these things are all derived from neuro linguistic behavior and how we respond and how we build new neural pathways and how we change habits um, and and eventually how we succeed in chasing our dreams and lead a fulfilling, satisfying, rewarding life. Yeah. So as, as the CEO of a company who uh, did over a billion dollars in sales while you were there, uh, obviously, well, I would imagine you see parallels between, okay, I'm able to introduce myself to celebrities. I'm able to say a nice thing to the barista at Starbucks. I'm able to introduce myself to strangers in social situations. But what are the connections to work situations? So speaking to clients, networking, pitching projects and deals, asserting your expertise, speaking, getting on stage, getting on podcasts, like what what are the applications and benefits of becoming super bold as they apply to work? And do you have any additional suggestions along that line? When you build your boldness muscle, it, 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 you are literally in shape in that sense for whatever challenge comes up that would be normally challenging to somebody who's confident, who's underconfident. You're, you're there presenting your ideas with confidence. That's persuasive. That's effective. You need to be able to get up in front of people 
it, it, this is a, a business skill to present your ideas enthusiastically, confidently, boldly to be compelling. There's a difference between good content and compelling content, and that's delivery. And your ability to deliver confidently is will transform your career because people are going to let you try stuff that may actually succeed that if you didn't pitch well enough could have been a great idea could have been a great concept for an ad or a tv spot or a video or whatever but but you were like well i think it could be pretty good it's like <laughs> he doesn't seem that sure whereas you yeah. this this is going to blow people's minds if we do this if we go all in on this idea and, and we bring in a great team and we shoot this and we shoot it in, in argentina it's going to be amazing you know, we shoot it from a drone and then, you know, and then we drop somebody out of a helicopter, whatever. That, and you just, uh, you know, they, they suddenly go, but this sounds great. How much is this going to cost? Well, we'll figure out how, how we're going to pay for it. But you're going to find out that it's going to yield more dividends than you ever imagined. And somebody, just, just the way I say that, right? Somebody, they're, they're listening. They may go, well, that sounds a little crazy. You say the beauty about a crazy idea is all you have to do is dial it a little bit back. Yeah. But, but an idea who's, you know, that's not bold enough, that's not wild enough, there's no dialing it back because now it's gone. It didn't it didn't get any traction in the first place. I, you know, I pitched ideas as a copywriter because that's where I started in life, uh, in my real business life. And, you know, I would just I learned to just really pitch these ideas with enthusiasm and pure confidence absolutely uncertain that I was actually right. Okay. Yeah. It's so many times is that confidence, whether it's actually the confidence as, as uh, presented in the voice of the copy that's written or the confidence from the person pitching the project to the client or the confidence pitching to your boss. If you're in an employment situation, it is that confidence that causes people to take action as, as an X factor that, that, can't be captured in like, oh, here's how you write an ad, right? It's but but there's that the boldness uh, does come through, regardless of message or market or uh, structure or media or whatever. Um, so I love that. I love that. So I have uh, a short number of rapid fire questions here. We'll get as many as we can in, and then we'll tell folks where they can uh, where they can go to uh, to get more. Uh, so the first one is. Hey, you're an advocate for journaling. So am I. Um, I, I, you know, have my journal that I write in pretty much every day sitting here at my desk. How do you find that like sitting there with a journal, you know, in the privacy of your room or, or office or whatever, act and, and that type of introspection and reflection helps us become more bold? I think that the power of journaling is the, the, the power of reflection is we think, oh, I, I'm, I'll remember this, I'll remember this lesson uh, in life. When you sit down and actually journal and reflect on the experience, that's when the, the learning really gets absorbed. That's, that's when the understanding, I think, happens. Most of the time, the rest of it, just we, we just come rolling through life. And I journal every day and then, and, and I end the day with three amazing things that happen and, and like one it. thing that I could have done better always. That's my, and I actually have this, this thing called the, the five minute journal that I okay. use that's yes. laid out that way. 
Um, and I start my day with it and I end my day with it. And other times I'll like, if I have an extensive experience, I'm going to journal about it and, and really reflect on all of it. Usually it's how some woman has mistreated me, you know, and I have to analyze that. But, uh, but, but to, to, and sometimes I have to think, reflect on the day. It's like, what amazing happened? And then I realize, oh, that's right. That happened because I'm, I'm doing enough things in the day. And, and a lot of them are my routine stuff and some of them are really challenging and some of them weren't that interesting. But I always realized there were these moments of either just great beauty or really, you know, I, I nailed a couple of paragraphs that I was, I was really trying to get out or I did a, a really solid podcast where, where the, the host and I really connected and we really, I, and I came away feeling like we gave the audience what was really valuable. Uh, and it, just taking that moment of reflection, say, what what is there? I'm I'm moving forward. I'm developing myself, which is why with the the exercises in the book, every time you do boldness exercise, you're going to journal it and say, what happened? What was the reaction? How did I feel? What could I have done differently? And you you start to say, oh, yeah. I, I could have that that person that I talked to, I could have said one more thing or I could have, you know, maybe I, I could have said, if you're ever interested in grabbing a coffee and talking about what we could do together, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested or whatever. And you, yeah. and you realize I got I got pretty far down the line and then I hesitated. You yeah. know, I was doing really good. And then oh, I hesitated again. I missed the opportunity. And then the next time you don't do it, you take the next step. You move a little bit further. Awesome. So we share an improv acting slash comedy background. Uh, I'm involved locally. You now, COVID has made it a little bit harder recently, um, yeah. but involved locally with, with an improv group. I know that you have some improv background. Why, why is even just taking like an introductory class to improv a perfect training ground for boldness in your opinion? Uh, it, it, it's the design of improv training is actually the same design as the exercises is start non-verbally and gradually build up your, your boldness strength. Improv is about building up your creative trust by starting at a level where you go, well, I can do that. I can, I can make gestures uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, and then gradually you build and build and build till you can, create a quick interaction with somebody and you and you're learning the rules and I, I i lay communication rules out in the book too like don't monologue with people make eye contact things like that improv has its rules the number one of course being always yes and right you're you're always adding positively to something you're never killing the the, the upward motion and creation of the scene so you learn to collaborate in the scene and what you really learn is to trust that you can create in the moment. And when you learn that, when you've done a bunch of scenes with people that you had nothing, you had no preparation at all for, and it came in, it turned into something just because you followed the rules and you trusted that your brain was going to come up with something. When you're prepared, it's really easy. Right? <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. I don't have to come up with this in the moment. This is going to be simple, you know, rather than walking on stage, taking a suggestion from the audience and creating a scene with three other people. This is a piece of cake. Yes. So 
there is one aspect of improv that that you mention uh, briefly in the book and that you emphasize again at another place in the book uh, that is that is active listening. So in improv, the only way that you can be good at improv is by actually listening to what is happening in the scene. And then you are always building on that. So how can actually, we, we think of bold people as people who can speak up and who can put themselves out there, but how does becoming a better listener make me more bold? Because when you're not thinking about what you're going to say and you're totally dialed into that person, they sense it. They sense you're interested in them. And that, that makes you appealing. That makes you interesting. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I tell people one of the, the most powerful ways to actively listen is to not only not be thinking about what you're going to say to whatever this, not a tennis match. Don't make it a tennis match or a ping pong back and forth. When they tell you something, because you've asked them a question, an open-ended question, you know, like what's the most interesting place you've been to last year? Nice and open-ended. They start yes. to say, oh, it was definitely Rome. You know, I was there for two weeks and they stop. And instead of saying, well, I was in Rome three years ago. And it was like, and I, and yeah. I did this and I did that. And all of a sudden it's, I, I had a better experience than you. Instead you say, tell me more, tell me more about this trip. So if yeah. that becomes your reflex, now you dig deeper. All of a sudden you you find yourself going to different levels with people and to say you know that the one the hardest part about the trip is you know my wife and I were fighting the whole time and neither of us could figure out why and then we finally realized we'd been taking Ambien for five days and it was making us so irritable that we were driving each other crazy uh and I said wow that that's such an interesting now did you did you once you realized it th did that help and they would say, you know, actually, we realized we weren't good for each other. Uh, oh, and, it, you know, it was it was the beginning and the end of the relationship. But, you know, we've ended amicably. All of a sudden, they're talking about their divorce. They were talking yeah. about Rome five minutes ago. Um, but that's what can happen because you're paying attention with a genuine interest in who they are. With And here's the key. You're not interested in the outcome. You're not saying oh, I have to network to find out what this person does to see if they're, they're going to be a good client or a potential customer or they're going to help me get this job or whatever. Abandon the outcome. The only outcome is connection. So and when you do that, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, and, and the reality is, if let's say that was in a networking situation, who are they going to remember at the end of the day? The person who was trying to get the connection, trying to get the connection, or the person they talked to about the trip to Rome and their divorce, and like actually who was listening to them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so, they'll they'll um, say you were the most interesting person they met, and you realize I haven't told them anything about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, kind of as a, as a final question, just a barrage of about three questions here. What are other people, if I suddenly become Super Bowl, what, what are other people going to think of me? Am I still going to be myself? What if I try and I totally screw up? Like, is this going to ruin my life if I try to be bold? <laughs> no, because you're not going to become a different person. You're going to become a more open version of yourself you are going to bring your full self to every situation because you're never going to be the one to stop revealing who you are because you have decided and are now behaving as if you belong everywhere 
and that you are worthy of being wherever you are with whomever you are in that situation. And that will that, that will just let your own personality blossom. You may stay an introvert, except that you can meet anybody you want. Um, <laughs> and that's who I am. I'm a bold introvert. I am not, yeah. you know, like a, a, a giant attention getting guy. Um, but people tell me all the time, you're so charismatic. And, it, and, and I just, are you talking about me? <laughs> and, and, and all I am is, I always am comfortable wherever I am. And that's, that draws people in. I'm, I'm making them comfortable. I'm so comfortable. And they, and, they, and they admire my confidence. You know, it's when you do stand-up or improv, the audience is going, why, how can they do this? And they, and they are drawn to your, your willingness to do stuff that they wouldn't do. Now, are people going to have judgments about you? Absolutely. But you're busy chasing your dreams. You don't have time for their judgments because it's not based on who you actually are. It's based yeah. on their own weird biases and fears because a lot of times they want to be you, but instead of figuring out how to become you, they're going to criticize you and judge you. Don't have time for it. Yeah. And like, like improv, I mean, if you, if you step on stage and you totally screw up, you'll realize everything's all right. You'll just roll with it. And it'll probably be one of the most entertaining scenes of the evening just because you screwed up. It'll be a better right. story it's, in the just end. A public humiliation <laughs> that you got through. And they, they said, wow, that didn't bother him at all. He just yeah. bombed out completely on that scene and it didn't matter. Yeah. And they just relax. It's, it, you know, it's, it's the same thing with stand-up and stuff. They, everybody just, they don't want to see a nervous comedian. <laughs> they want to yeah. see somebody who's, even if their material's average, they're, they're selling it like crazy. They're completely confident about it. And they're just laughing. When people don't laugh, they go, that was so funny to me in the bathtub, you know, this morning. And, and people go, wow, he, he's okay. He doesn't care that we didn't laugh. He's all right. And, they, and they, now they relax. They start laughing. So it, there's a way to create this feedback loop. No matter what happens, it can be good. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So do you mind if I pitch your book a little bit to my audience? Go right ahead. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, I hope you've gotten a ton of value out of this. Everybody who's listening, watching uh, from wherever you are, go to fredjoyal.com. It's Fred, F-R-E-D, Joyal, J-O-Y-A-L.com. And you can click the link through. I believe there is a first chapter of the book that you can download there. You can also click through to buy the book. It's super bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days. And I've been through the audiobook twice. My Kindle version is all highlighted and everything. It, it's a book that I am engaging with because it is that good. And so I strongly recommend you pick up a copy. Uh, and again, all you have to do, go to fredjoyle.com. Links are in the description and all of that. Uh, Fred, thanks for being on Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, sharing about being super bold and, and, and about yourself here. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Roy. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.